Welcome to episode number 295 of Destination Linux, a video podcast show from the Tux Digital Network. If you're new to the show, Destination Linux is a discussion podcast perfect for all experience levels. Whether you're brand new to open source or a guru of sudo, this is the show for you. My name is Ryan. I'm Jill. And I'm Michael. On this week's episode of Destination Linux, we are going to do a special challenge for Michael and Jill. They think they know so much about Linux all the time, trying to one-up me, but I'm going to put that to the test here in this episode. Then we're gonna be talking about some really cool things coming in Fedora. Plus we have our tips, tricks, and software picks, all of this coming up right now on Destination Linux. This week's feedback comes from Machek. If you want to send in your own feedback, you can go to tuxdigital.com slash contact to get in touch or join the Tux Digital community forum by going to tuxdigital.com and clicking on the forum link at the top of the page. Machek goes on to say, it's funny for me to write this message since usually the feedback you get is, have you heard about X or thank you for introducing me to Y and so on. For me, it's a slightly different kind of vibe. What I find amusing is that you guys feel like my long lost tribe. I've been using DigitalOcean for four years since I started working with Python and Django. Bitwarden is my default password manager ever since I locked myself out of LastPass, but no regrets. And my Linux journey accelerated sharply over the last couple of years. I found the courage to restart my DigitalOcean production server for the first time in three years last Friday. I have to say your show took some getting used to, but I can surely say I'm hooked now. I never thought I'd find myself deciding if muffins or cupcakes, yet here I am. <laughs> nice. Keep up the good work and focus on nice. Europe from time to time where we don't have System76 and Linux gizmos readily available. All yours, Machek, pronounced with the proper phonetic spelling. Listen, this is a true fan of this show. They <laughs> yes. know I mess up every single word. Yes. Uh, and they gave me the phonetic spelling so I wouldn't mess up their name. And I just want to say that... That's pretty awesome. Thank you for doing that. So I don't <laughs> mispronounce it. And you're right. We do need to make sure we look at some of the vendors that are there in Europe because there are some in Europe that do Linux hardware as well. Maybe we need to do some special highlighting uh, just for those for you. Yeah, I agree. We should do it more often. Uh, but I also want to say that obviously muffins. So I've helped you decide. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. I don't know. I'm pretty sure that's what he was uh, implying hmm. for sure. Yes. So, so <laughs> the other thing is there was a part in this this feedback that I thought was um, kind of interesting. It said, I have to say your show took some getting used to. And that part was like, getting used to? How do you, yeah, you, you like, must mean Ryan. I mean, what? it was difficult for us, Jill and I, to get used to Ryan as well. But what are you talking I mean, about? I'm immediately likable, <laughs> just like Jill. Uh, there's no getting used to me at all. My teacher said something really nice to me. They were like, Ryan, you're like a fungus in that you keep growing. <laughs> On people, and I thought, how sweet, you know, Aww, how sweet to, poor uh, Ryan. to know that's that a I... that's a wonderful way of putting it. He was yeah. traumatized as a kid because of yeah. That. Michael's bringing my trauma back, but yeah, I, I listen. I agree with him. We we take some getting used to, specifically I, Michael. I, I I don't see how that's you can't flip it back on me. No, I mean, that's not how it works. Thing, not how, weak thumbs. You, what stool? I don't know what you're talking about. It's not. There's no Weird. stool. There's no like yeah. visible example of that. I mean, that's a chair right there. So. Oh, 
And, uh, <laughs> Machek, I am actually so happy you have stayed with us and are hooked. Despite the shenanigans of the three of us, especially Michael and Ryan. Oh. <laughs> How dare you, Jill. Both? How dare you. Wow. <laughs> and thank you, Machek, for your kind words and Absolutely. reaching out to us. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. And also, thank you for uh, becoming part of the community. It is yes. it's fantastic. And also, you mentioned how that you are a fan of DigitalOcean because they have such great yeah. services. And it just so happens this episode is brought to you by DigitalOcean. And you can go get started at do.co slash tux2022. Cloud computing can be, let's say, complex, but standing up reliable, affordable cloud infrastructure really doesn't have to be. Thanks to DigitalOcean, you can get set up and running on their awesome cloud platform quickly and easily. At DigitalOcean, you can enjoy a comprehensive portfolio of compute, storage, database, and networking products that put your cloud infrastructure in capable hands so you and your teams can get back to doing what matters most, building world-changing apps that grow your business. DigitalOcean offers predictable pricing, robust product documentation, and services that developers love. For example, I love the DigitalOcean Marketplace. You can find all sorts of software that you can easily set up as droplets with just a few clicks. It is awesome. Plus, at DigitalOcean, you can get started with basically any size team. If you have a team of one person or a team of a thousand people, DigitalOcean can help you get growing with their simple, powerful cloud computing. And as a listener of the Destination Linux podcast and a member of the Tux Digital community, you can get started for free. In fact, it's better than free because DigitalOcean is giving away 60-day, $100 free credit when you go to do.co slash tux2022. That's do.co slash tux2022. So again, go get started with that $100 free credit on DigitalOcean's awesome cloud platform by going to do.co slash tux2022. This week, we were supposed to have an interview right here at this moment, but that got canceled. And so I had this other plan that I wanted to embark on with the audience here since we're live on Sunday. And that plan is to put Michael and Jill's knowledge to the test. So I write this show every single week, put notes in there, all of these fancy detailed notes so that everybody has a good idea and some knowledge of what we're going to talk about. And every time I bring something that's like brand new and I'm excited about, either Jill or Michael or both are like, eh, we've already heard about it. They start throwing all these little facts out and being all fancy schmancy. So you know what? I think they look at my notes ahead of time and then they just kind of steal it, look it up, and they don't really know these things on the fly like they pretend <laughs> they do. So yeah. what <laughs> I have done, and this is real, I have picked four stories they have no idea the stories that I've picked, and they're going to have to basically go off the cuff with none of my brilliant notes and talk about these four stories here in the Linux realm. So are so you I up for this challenge, Michael yes. and Jill? Well, I mean, <laughs> yes. it's, it's not like we have a choice because we have to do a show anyway, and you're just, you know, throwing it on top. Like, it on yeah, you're just, you're just setting it up like, hey, you want to be prepared? No? Then, okay, fine. We'll do this. Which just is a little great. bit of trepidation. <laughs> So this is this is hilarious to me because uh, many months ago I was talking to Ryan and trying to say, hey, we should do an episode where we just don't prepare. We have like a no safety net episode. And Ryan was like, hey, that's a great idea. He decided, let's do that type of episode, except for me. You yes. don't get prepared. I'm exempt. <laughs> Completely exempt. I may jump in and help you all out a little bit, but oh, you know, so I want to see... Let you struggle a little bit before I jump in there. So 
let's get started. And the first topic, it's not even that difficult. I'm sure you all will be able to fill some time and tell our audience about this. Debian stable backports now includes re recent versions of Pipewire and Wire Plumber. So awesome. talk to me about that. Debian and Stable SID has had the latest Pipewire actually for a while. So it is wonderful seeing it finally coming to Stable. Um, actually, lots of audio engineers whose audio plugins only work in Debian are going to be very excited. And as well as all of us content creators, including me, I run Debian and Ubuntu. So that's very, very important. Enjoying finally having Alsa, Pulse, and Jack Apple applications coexisting peacefully is quite wonderful. And Ryan, I use Jack on Debian and Ubuntu, and you have to spend a lot of time and effort getting it set up, like using a low latency kernel and configuring real-time CPU tweaks. Not to mention the learning curve for QJack CTL. So this is a wonderful announcement. We, ha we have the latest and greatest uh, Pipewire in Fedora, and now we're going to have it in Debian. And that makes me so happy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're talking about the learning curve of, of QJack's control. It's also a learning mm -hmm. curve of just Jack in general. So uh, yeah, even installing yeah. Jack is not yes. the easiest thing yeah. to do. So having <laughs> access to the different Jack tools with Pipewire is fantastic. And Jill mentioned how, you know, content creators are going to be enjoying this because if they're using Debian, they can get the access. And I just wanted to say as a Fedora user, I already had it. It was great. And I just want to point out that it is great that uh, Debian is mm -hmm. doing this. But I think that the coolest part about it is that Debian is doing it for the stable backports. And a lot of the times you'll see Debian introduce things that are for testing and SID, but not get into the stable until the new refresh of the distro. That just happens usually like two to three years. And having it in the stable branches is fantastic for, in addition to, you know, the distributions like Ubuntu, which is already kind of doing it themselves as well, having other distributions based on Debian, such as MX Linux yeah. or Sparky Linux, which don't have uh, updates super fast because they're based on the Debian stable most of the time. That is fantastic, fantastic. because that's going to be in those as well. And I'm very excited that for, for multiple reasons, but mostly so that people get to experience Pipewire in the full version of Pipewire. Because there, for a while you had access to install Pipewire in Ubuntu and Debian, but it wasn't really the full Pipewire because it didn't have the proper Jack tools. Mm -hmm. And now yeah. having the full version of Pipewire with the Jack tools is fantastic. And also having Wire Plumber is even more impressive because for those who don't know, Wire Plumber is kind of like an API for Pipewire that you can automate stuff. And that's really cool because Pulse Audio didn't really work well with automation you have to set everything up every single time yeah. and with with wire plumber that well it's not super easy by default right now because they're still working on you know making a gui and that sort of stuff but having that in the future i am super excited about that so i'm happy that debian has this kind of thing and i'm happy that more and more people get to experience the awesomeness that is pipewire well, I want to yeah, apologize to absolutely. our audience. Both of you have failed that topic. Um, there are two <laughs> things that you were both terribly wrong at there. Number one is none of you mentioned my amazing video about using Pipewire and QJAC yes, CTL. Uh, the second failure is a lack of knowledge because neither of you mentioned that you can use ULSA, Pulse, and Jack applications with this. So you missed Ulsa entirely. Inaccurate, That's sir. a big fail. Oh, I Jill, said it. Jill said that. How dare you? 
So that's true. Also, the, for a lot of people who don't know that <laughs> P- Pipe Wire doesn't really replace Alsa. It's kind of sitting on top of Alsa in the same yeah. way that uh, Pulse does. But you can also consider that Pipe Wire is sitting on top of Pulse as well. So they're all interconnected in this in this configuration. So overall, Jill did do that, and you're wrong, Ryan. Secondarily, I we talked. We Not talked the about the mix minus, I think, last week. So that we just didn't want to be like, hey, check out Ryan's oh, video Oh, you don't want to bring up my yeah. amazing <laughs> video twice. Right, of course. <laughs> Not back-to-back. Not back. That's just messed up. But right. at the same time, since he did bring it up, I will go ahead and tell you that video is fantastic. It te- teaches you a lot about how Pipewire works and how QJAC CTL. I didn't prompt that at all. He, he did not prompt it at all, except for completely did. But it is great. And so check that out. We'll have that in the show notes if you wanted to. Yes. All right. Because you gave me such a sweet intro to my video there, uh, the next news story I picked is EVGA, longtime NVIDIA partner, ending graphics card production. I'm going to give you a little bit about this here because I think it's interesting. NVIDIA and Mm -hmm. Linux, interesting history. NVIDIA reportedly refused to reveal basic pre-launch information about its new PC graphics cards to partners like EVGA making it near impossible for them to prepare. There are rumors that these companies are feeling squeezed out because the manufacturers like NVIDIA are basically wanting to sell their founders editions at kind of uh, cut rate prices or get those out there before anybody else has a chance to make anything, making it so that one of the greatest vendors out there, EVGA, is going to terminate its partnership with doing GPUs completely like not go to AMD, not go to Intel. Like they're just done with it, which is shocking. Let's talk about it. Okay. So that is crazy. I think, I think it kind of makes sense in a way because NVIDIA is known for being very closed in terms of information regarding all sorts of stuff, including like apparently the specifications for the manufacturing itself, which is really weird because if you have a deal with other companies to manufacture your product and you don't tell them how to do that until you release it already is like that. I'm surprised that hasn't happened already. Like people, companies have already abandoned NVIDIA because of that. So it's, it's, that's really interesting. Uh, but also the same thing happens with the drivers in Linux because the Nuvo drivers, for those who don't know, are the default drivers you get when you're using an NVIDIA graphics and you don't have access to a lot of stuff. And it's not because the Nuvo drivers are bad or it's not because the developers for Nuvo are bad developers. They're actually incredibly impressive because yeah, they're they reverse engineering the entire driver set from NVIDIA because NVIDIA is not giving them any information. Just like a year ago or so, they released some documentation that is about, uh, people were talking about how NVIDIA is open sourcing stuff. And that is true. NVIDIA is now more likely to open source stuff. However, they're still doing it in like a very tiny amount, like only in massive machine learning type of implementations and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But there was this one documentation that was released for the Nuvo team. And when it happened, I was like, oh, great. This is this is wonderful news. And then I realized, oh, it's it's nothing. Because the Nuvo team said that this was documentation that was just confirming the things they already knew. So yeah. like, oh, perfect. Thanks, NVIDIA. You're so helpful. Yeah. So yeah. EVGA doing that is kind of interesting because I kind of hope that it would convince NVIDIA to stop being terrible. Maybe. It's... What are the odds of that? I know, but hopefully it helps. 
Yeah. <laughs> Linus Torvalds even said so <laughs> directly in a direct way. <laughs> yeah, he didn't like NVIDIA yeah. too much either. Yeah. I understand, you know, EVGA uh, doing this, honestly. They didn't even know the pricing of cards until the official announcements were made by NVIDIA to the public in their keynotes. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Wow. So yes. disrespectful, really. <laughs> yeah, it's just And some could say unfair business practice as well. Yeah. Uh, they are purposely Absolutely. squeezing out the competition. I just want to add in here, Michael, to your point where you're saying, hey, maybe this will make NVIDIA wake up. I don't think so. The One of the greatest PC part manufacturers out there from all of us hardware addicts, I know Wendy would agree. I am this with Michael, you're Padawan, but you even know this probably. EVGA is one of the best of the best. Now, there's mm -hmm. nobody who's perfect. There are people who've had problems and all that stuff. But when it comes to consistency and a high quality product, you're going to be hard pressed to find a better vendor as far as their overall manufacturing quality goes than EVGA. And that goes across all of their products. Plus their customer support is some of the best in the world. Now NVIDIA has removed them as competition. Like before, even if it took EVGA longer to get a card out, I know a lot of people who would just wait for EVGA to release their version. Mm. Yeah. Now NVIDIA <laughs> has the entire market wrapped up uh. beside the other manufacturers out there that frankly, I mean, there's some good ones, don't get me wrong, but not as good of a reputation as EVGA. So in a way, I feel like NVIDIA won again by not being good to partners. It's kind of yeah. weird how that's the bad guys sometimes win. Yeah, that's so an interesting true, point. I mean, I, I wouldn't have thought about it in that sense. And because obviously I'm a hardware Padawan, like you said, <laughs> so uh, throwing me under the bus, which I mean, it's true. Because we actually no, I reversed the bus after I ran you over, and then oh, okay, perfect. Yeah. That's yeah, so yeah, we're, yeah. we're starting from starting from square one there. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah, great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I do think I actually can say to the EVGA point is that every time I've had an NVIDIA card, the EVGA experience was way better than the other ones I've had for NVIDIA. So I started just doing EVGA, you know, many years ago, and the last two or three NVIDIA cards were all EVGA for that reason. So. Yeah. While I am the Padawan, I still am aware and have experience for that particular thing. So, yay! Yay! yay. <laughs> and uh, to that point, I also mostly buy EVGA-branded NVIDIA GPUs, like my you know, G GTX 1080 Ti is an EVGA. And yep. um, I've, I've got a 2060 that's an EVGA. And I've bought their cards for years because they run stable, cool, and quiet. And yes, they were often priced a little higher than the competitors, True. but you got the quality <laughs> from EVGA and they had wonderful customer service, yep. which they have stated that they're going to continue to offer the customer service to the existing products. So no that problems there. That was really there. interesting. That just right yeah. there shows you how good EVGA is because along with yeah. their announcement of exiting, they said, hey, don't worry, we're holding a bunch of our stock back so that if any of your cards that are out there break, we can still replace it and make sure you're taken care of. Like, yeah. how wow. rare is it that companies think like on that level? And so wow. it's just a real shame to see VGA having to go this far for such a big part of their business. I know, and, it's eight, It's actually 80% yeah. of their revenue comes from their GeForce line. That's, That's <laughs> pretty so incredible. I hope they partner up with Intel or someone else. I know they said they're they're not right they're now. Not, they're kind of exiting, but, but I really would love to see that because imagine an EVGA 
partnering with Intel on their new line of GPUs and really ramping those to the next level, I think that would, would be, be awesome. Yeah. Really cool. And if you want to, everyone out there, if you want to still support EVGA, they have awesome power supplies. In fact, uh, most of my rigs have EG, EVGA power supplies. I'm pretty sure my power supplies also are EVGA. Now think about it. Mine too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I'm still going to buy EVGA <laughs> products. <laughs> All right. So y'all are doing okay so far, but I'm going to throw one so a little far. bit oh. in my knowledge <laughs> realm and a little bit less in y'all's knowledge realm you here. You just did that for me with the hardware stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've been around Wendy and I long enough that you picked some stuff up. Plus you had Jill to lean on because she is a hardware addict too. I okay, mean, she keep... fair enough. So fair enough. <laughs> this one though, I feel like is more my realm territory here. Linux Foundation announces an open wallet initiative. Linux Foundation yeah. is setting up a new foundation. The aim is for the new Open Wallet Foundation to encourage the development of open source software to support interoperability for a wide range of wallet use cases. Go, Michael. I think this is really cool. I Why? think that because having a digital wallet, for for example, I just want to make it, I was, I was very tempted to say a dad joke about opening their wallets and, and like, oh, you're going to give us money? That'd be fantastic. But the instead, I decided to be serious for once, Ryan. Uh, so we're going to talk about the digital wallet thing. That they, I don't think they've actually talked about a software, but it's more about a standard, right? Because I, I heard through the grapevine, I actually can point out that I do a news show. So the odds that Ryan is going to actually stump me completely, it's very low. However, <laughs> once I picked all the topics, I didn't look anymore. All the topics for Twill, I picked them, I researched them, and I assumed that he would see what they were and not pick them. And so far, that is what's happened. So I don't know what the fourth one is, but it's it's going to be like an avoiding of the thing. So I purposefully chose to not look at any other topics this week because while he told me that we were going to do this, I thought, well... I can't just cheat and research it. I want to be fair about it because I, I know we're going to be testing the skills and I'm currently... So answer the feel, question I'm about currently, the open wallet, Michael. You're buying a lot of time, but I don't I was feel about like to say, the question. I was about to say I'm currently stalling for sure, but... <laughs> Jill, but, would you yeah. like to talk to us about the open wallet that Michael yeah. doesn't know about? I win. That's so... That's cool. not true. <laughs> I just said the digital wallet being the standard is cool because they're making it possible yeah. to have interoperability between different wallets and different platforms. What and is awesome. a digital yeah. wallet, Michael? What kind of use it's cases... It's being able to store your credit cards in a digital form so you can use it on like Apple Pay or Android Pay and be able to have access without having to physically have those cards. Boom. Winning. Yeah. So you can buy coffees at Starbucks. <laughs> Which is important. Yeah. The only reason you need a wallet while you're writing your screenplay. For expensive coffees and then also Chipotle burritos. Yeah. Chipotle burritos. Well, you know, to me, this has actually been very important. It's something that's been discussed for years. And I'm very happy that the Linux Foundation has, has taken this on because we need a way of all the wallets to communicate with each other, whether, whether it's Google Wallet or um, Apple's Apple Wallet, yeah. Apple Pay. Yeah, and it's going to make it great for it's the It's been a pain. Though you know, a pain to go to stores and, you know, they only su support uh, Apple Pay or Google Wallet. And it's just annoying. Yeah, it's it's finally time to make a universal app that's open source that everyone can use and all the manufacturers can use. <laughs> well, here's your big fail, Jill, in that you assumed Apple would go along with any standard, uh, which 
<laughs> is never going to happen. We nah, still can't get them to true. even use RCS or They're anything. Not even using USB-C. <laughs> yeah. But Apple- someone's going to find a way on the Apple phones to be able to use it easily. In Maybe. fact, their partnership for with Google might that that might uh, make things a little more unique. <laughs> yeah. So, so for those who don't know, digital wallets can store gift cards, membership cards, loyalty cards, coupons, event tickets, plane and transit tickets, hotel reservations, driver's license, identification cards, and even in the future and some things now, your car keys themselves could be stored yeah. in a digital wallet. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to store any of that type of stuff in a digital form, I would want it to be an open source project that I can trust. It's interesting because there are a lot of big corporations like Accenture and CVS Health that are involved in this foundation mm-hmm. already. But what you don't hear about is Apple and likely never will because they'll want to keep theirs completely as proprietary as possible so that, you know, you've got this status thing yeah. like with the green bubble versus what is the blue bubble or something. I don't yeah. know. There's some yeah. stupid bubble thing that apparently kids get into. But I don't know why we care about that, honestly, that kids are like getting into that. Because aren't these kids eating like Tide Pods and stuff, too? So I'm not sure we should really like <laughs> so true. base ourselves on their <laughs> thoughts of like whether status symbols and things. But either way, this is a really cool idea here to be able to open source this. I think mm-hmm. you guys did pretty, I actually thought this one was going to stump you all pretty good. And I didn't think you would really know mm-hmm. about this, but lo and behold, I don't I, use one. did pretty but, good. But, but I <laughs> like the fact that they, they're going to exist. And I think that the idea of having it all interconnected is great, but not only just for the consumer. I think it's the most important is for the businesses. Businesses, They don't have to implement all these different proprietary stuff. Yeah, they'll probably still have to do with Apple like you're talking about, but that's one extra. So they only have to do like maybe two or three rather than having to do 50 because they have to have their own system. And then also at some point, I, I was I'm really happy to see this because what I was fearful is that this would become the same kind of thing where everything has to have an app, everything has to have their digital wallet. So you instead so you're like there's so many different companies and you go to the thing, you you check out for something and they say, Hey, do you have our app? I'm like, no. Why would I have why would I do that? Why yeah. would I download an app to get spam about things I don't want when I can come in here and just get the thing I want? So I was worried that the digital wallet system would kind of become the same thing. You have to sign up for their, like their store card that you would have to do a long time oh, ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. store wallet and all that. So this effort is fantastic to combat that sort of thing. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. there's these cards and it's all to track and sell your data for the grocery stores use. And uh, one of them in particular is like, hey, do you have our discount card? I said, I was mm-hmm. always like, you mean your regular price card? Because they raise the prices for everything unless you have the membership card which then yeah. brings the prices back to what they would be in a store that doesn't have the stupid membership card it just would frustrate me but this particular uh, store you could hack because you could say no every time they would pull out a sheet and say fill it out later and scan one of the cards and then give you your discount and then I would never fill out the sheet and come back and get another sheet and I would never get a membership because I don't want anybody tracking what I'm buying or what I'm eating or anything else. It's embarrassing to know how many Genos I go through in a week. And I don't oh, want yes. anybody knowing that. Pizza oh, rolls are amazing. Point. That's a good <laughs> point. In fact, Ryan, I have many times uh, when I go to uh, different, you know, big box stores, I actually research what they're running on the back end. If they don't run Linux and they're not running open source, I don't sign up to their cards. That's nice. just, that's, 
my, my thing. Way to do it, Jill. I yeah. love it. Speaking of some sort of financial situation, I just wanted to point out that we have a fantastic member of the community giving us a super chat right now. Oh. So I think it's perfectly timed talking about yes. wallets and talking about super chats. Why not? And also, this is a fantastic message because it's really interesting and you think about it. This is a troll, not a super chat. Take that, Michael. Yes. So, <laughs> yes. so that sort of troll, you are more than welcome to do as much as you want. Oh, thank you, It really you, showed Lail. you, Michael. Lail. Uh, definitely thank you. Cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, you know, I don't like to lose. Um, so I created a curveball here because I thought you guys could do well on those stories. I was going to get you with the digital ones. So the next one's more of a quiz than a news story, really. Uh, uh, that's cheating. <laughs> No, okay. that actually it's takes my role, so there's no cheating here. Okay, uh, okay. There was an article released this week entitled The Eight Best Lightweight Linux Distros. The challenge is, can you name the eight distros they picked as the most lightweight? But here's the catch. The eight they chose all have open box variants. So this is the eight lightweight distros with open box. And go. Well... I think there's actually going to be a somewhat of a cheat on one of those because they could put Lubuntu in there because LXQt is powered by OpenBox. So they could True, do Michael. that. Not now, there. Okay. So I will say probably Bunsen Labs is in there. I, I was just, oh. Dang it. You got <laughs> Puppy, it. Puppy Linux is in there. <laughs> what was the other yeah. one you said, Michael? Um, Puppy Linux. Puppy Linux is not there. Oh, that's shocking. You've got one out of eight so far. Really? Oh, I didn't say core? this was a company that made a good article. I just oh, it's <laughs> not um, a good article. Oh. I'm not, I don't know. Like I have never researched this topic, but I haven't heard of this particular news site. Well, I'm, I'm, sho I'm shocked that, pu that Puppy Linux is not in there because that's kind of like yeah. the main thing. But okay. Crunchbang++ does exist. I forgot about that. Not there. Yeah. Um, okay, so there's also Tiny Core. Not there. Yeah, not there. Manjaro, wow. they have a spin. Manjaro's not there. Tiny Core's not there? And this is what? Yeah. I'll give you a hint. One starts with an M. One starts with an A. One starts is Mabox in there? Mabox is there, yes. Mabox okay. is just a Manjaro derivative with open box. Yeah. Well, it's there. Chat, I'm looking at you. You're trying to help them. Yeah. Don't you do it, chat. Don't you nope. help them? With all the chat comments, these are things that should be there, but they're not because we I've already asked them and they're not there. And you're saying like tiny core is not there. That's so weird. All right. The so, next one starts with an A and it begins with my favorite distro as part of its name. Archbang? Mm. <laughs> um, Wait, Archbang is not there? Nope. Uh, what? Antics. Antics is not there. Antics is not there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because they they make one. They have a flux box and an open yeah, box. Yeah, they yeah. do. It's a terrible <laughs> article. All right, so far, so this article is someone not in very chat good got one. Someone in chat got one. If you want to steal it, who gets it Archcraft? first, Jill or Michael? That's it. That was. One. I've never even heard of Archcraft. Yes. So, yeah, I haven't either, actually. So that's 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 a new one for me. But yeah, there is. I'm, I'm gonna when, look at you know up. when your lighter can't quite light and it's just kind of. Yes. What would that distro Sparky be? Sparky Linux. Yes. That's However, I that would too. like to point out, I'm aware that, of Sparky Linux, and I talked about Sparky Linux earlier in the Debian topic, so this is not like a new distro to me. But yeah, was, but but Sparky Linux has like seven different editions, including OpenBox yeah. and LXQt and all that. So like, that's if, why if, I didn't think specific, of Sparky either. The ones that are specific to OpenBox not being in hey, there, this isn't a judge super question. Weird. You don't get to judge the question. It. You just get to 
see which ones you can pick. Well, you're you're testing our knowledge, but our knowledge is beyond what this article is. <laughs> so yeah. like it doesn't count. I'm gonna give you guys the last because they ones probably have because... Debian in there, which makes no sense because of no, course it has not. Yeah. box. <laughs> um the, uh, give us ahead, another Jill. hint though. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one starts with an A and a V. Oh, AV Linux. <laughs> yes. Oh, okay, AV Linux. That was okay. a good hint, right? <laughs> You're welcome. But and also, why why is AV Linux in there? Because that's mostly a competitor to Ubuntu Studio and Fedora Jam, so it'd yeah. be in a different listing. A different- the fact that you guys know most of these, like I know like three of these distros before, like the fact that you guys could talk about them is fascinating to me. <laughs> Never heard of Maybox, any of those things. Um, this next one starts with a PC. PC, PC Linux P- OS. PC Linux OS. Okay. I love, <laughs> yeah. how, I love how their hints now are just so like obviously you're yeah, telling us. <laughs> the next one starts with an arc. <laughs> when you say it starts with an arc, A R C. Okay, Arco Linux. <laughs> Very good, Michael. That one took way too long. No, to it's, get beca- there. it's because it's there's people who, say, arch, who pronounce arc. arch, arc yeah. for sometimes. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, wait, you need to specify which one you're talking about. <laughs> but Arco <laughs> Linux. So Michael, these what are... is the key next to your space bar? That is the last one. Alt Linux? <laughs> yeah, Alt. Okay. Okay, they put Alt in there. Yeah, that those choices were very interesting. Um. <laughs> okay, I'm so... There's so many distros that they did not include yeah. that are way beyond, like, the top options for lightweight yeah. that it... Th- this article, I don't know who wrote it. I'm not going to be, like, judging on that one, but I'm just saying <laughs> you missed a lot of things that should be there. I feel and like I, this was one of those articles where you, when you pay people to go write an article for your new site and they just pick random things they found online. Uh, Maybox yeah. Linux, Bunsen Labs Linux, Archcraft, Sparky Linux, AV Linux, MX Edition, PC Linux, OS, Arco Linux, and Alt Linux are the answers for those who were keeping mm. track. Michael and Jill, you get a D minus for that one. What? So, yeah, what? D minus. Whoa, 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 whoa. Are you okay? We got to rephrase this. So, in terms of knowledge of this topic, we get an A+. Plus. In yeah. terms of trying to guess what the bad choices in this article are, yes. we get a D-. Minus. I'm okay Thank with that. You, Michael. <laughs> okay. yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. One last question, then this is it. Uh, Ubuntu to replace the GNOME software store. I should say one last news story. Ubuntu to mm. replace the GNOME software store with the unofficial Snap Store based on Flutter is the rumor out there right now. So Snap Store is the GNOME software store fork Ubuntu ships with. However, it has Flatpak stripped out. So talk about this new story here. Exciting? Good? Bad? Yeah, I don't know you if it's exciting. It, it was announced like a, a year ago that they were moving to Flutter on their um, installer. So right, but this is a different thing not... that was made by the community, I think, right? Yes. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, this is the the remixed one um, that people like better than the official right, <laughs> software right. center. Okay. So it's yeah. super interesting because <laughs> the Ubuntu installer going to Flutter is, I think, the catalyst for why this store was made on Flutter as well. And I, I, I don't really have a preference because the store looks good. It, but the GNOME store, the GNOME software store looks good too. So like, I don't really see what the value between the two is in terms of like, this is a clear switch, you know, necessary sort of. But I do yeah. think that the Snap store that they released, the Ubuntu software, which is based on GNOME software, but has stuff changed to focus more on snaps. I'm glad that that's changing 
because yeah. I'm not a fan of that part. Because if you want to use the stuff that you would normally expect from GNOME software, you have to also install GNOME software. So that's not efficient to have to have Snap Store version and also the GNOME one to get flat packs. So if they're switching to include more stuff like flat packs and whatnot, then okay, that's great. And I am happy to see that. If it is just another store change that has the same outcome of focusing on snaps and not having options for other things, then I don't really see the difference in what the big fuss is about. All right. I feel like you did too good on that. So bonus question. Linus makes Fedora <laughs> work on Apple M2, but oh, only yeah. for him. Only for him. Okay, How so dare he? He compiled the latest kernel <gasps> on an Apple M2. Who does he think uh, he uh, is? Uh, <laughs> I okay, yeah. so first of all, does the is the article say only for him or that's what are, I said because I you're don't putting have it the, in yeah because there's nowhere where it says that it's out there on GitHub to go play with. He did it only for him, and I'm yeah. like, who does this whoever Linus guy is uh, <laughs> think he is? It's his prerogative. Yeah. What are you talking about? This is <laughs> clear. But to be clear for those who are who are watching, we made a joke about Ryan being new to the show. He's yeah. not. Just to make it clear, he does know who that is. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but the it's an interesting topic because the support for that is being worked on by Asahi Linux, not yeah, Linus. Absolutely. He's just making he's taking what they're doing the bits and testing it out. Fedora. And I think yeah. it's fantastic because testing it out means that we're it's going to be having support and to have Linus put in the effort to get an M2 test it out and try to get that to work. It's it's awesome because that means there's way more important attention going to it. And I already knew that Asahi Linux was doing a lot of great work and they've been doing that for quite a while. They have a, a, a larger team these days working on it, which I'm super excited because having access to put Linux on these types of M2 or the M1 or the M1 Plus or the whatever it's called. M1 Plus Plus Super Size. The M1 Max yeah. Ultra <laughs> Mega <Max>. thing or whatever. <laughs> So having that there is great. And I've seen people go, well, why do we need to care about Apple products? Well, because a lot of people like Apple products. And if they're on Apple and they don't have the option to try Linux, they well, like they're not Apple going to try hardware it. without the crappy operating system. Well, more importantly. Okay. I think that that's partial. I think there's a fair hit mm -hmm. there. I think more people are like, we, we like the Apple products and we like the Apple software. We just don't like the Apple company. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, like, yeah true. There's, yeah. there's that level too, because it depends that's on true. the software. Because some of the times the software they make is good and some of it is not so good. But, you know, it depends. But I think that it's great that they're, that he's doing it and it's great that the work that Asahi's working on is, is being done because it means that in the future when people who have those products, which are really the only options going forward for Apple users, at some point not having access to put Linux on there would be a big barrier to entry. Mac OS yeah, will stop absolutely. supporting it at some point and then you'll have no system. So even if you want to stick with Mac OS, I think they generally support their operating system for about six years, maybe a little less. And so once that's done, that machine would be, you know, landfill unless you could put something like Linux on it. So I do think this yeah. is awesome. I, I'm surprised, though, that Linus was able to do this because he struggled so much with Pop! OS. He's one of my favorite YouTube create content creators. And uh, he <laughs> well, not, accidentally not, deleted not Linus Torvalds, not Linus Tech Tip. Oh, yeah. right. Not Linus oh, the man. <laughs> Darn. Okay. 
But that yeah, I was yeah. like, "Where are you going with this? Did he had, like, did he even try?" I was like, "Come on, Michael, yeah. keep up." <laughs> so what was neat when is w- w- recently when the last uh, stable kernel of Linux was released and they had made the announcement that Linus had compiled it on an M2, we were all really. Com- curious of what version of Linux he used. And I figured it was Fedora, but we weren't sure. So now we have that official. Confirmed. (laughs) And also, I do want to point out that this is, these are a lot of great questions, Ryan, and I will give you you that. This has been fun. Are there any more? This is it. Honestly, you two did amazing. (laughs) Okay, uh, there we go. (laughs) As much as I hate to say it, this just proves how brilliant you all are in the world of Linux and open source that I could throw completely random stories and you guys can answer them. That's the last time I'll ever give you a compliment, but uh, take it for what, no, you guys did absolutely amazing on that. So good job. I think it was really interesting too, to get your opinions off the fly without having any pre-work in there yeah. at all. Yeah. It was also really fun to do. Yeah, I, it was I, really I fun. It. We'll have to do this again soon. <laughs> Definitely. I talked about it on Twill that we were going to do this because yeah. you threatened us about doing this. <laughs> I'm like, this is going to be fun. I'm also kind of anxious about it. Scared. But at the same time, I'm excited. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, one more bonus question. Just because, what's the greatest password manager on the planet? Anybody? Bitwarden! Bitwarden, that's right. So this episode of Destination Linux is brought to you by Bitwarden. Get started right now with your free account at bitwarden.com slash tux. Password manager software allows you peace of mind knowing your online accounts are secure. Bitwarden provides you with the tools to store all your passwords in a secured vault, auto-generate those passwords, and auto-generate your usernames for you, even automatically fill them in so you don't have to. You can access your data across many types of devices, whether using a web browser, mobile app, desktop applications, even the command line if you want to. Bitwarden seals and encrypts your private data with end-to-end encryption, and this is key before it ever leaves your device, so you know you're the only person with access to your data. Go to bitwarden.com slash tux to get started for free, and I mean like free, free. You don't have to put in a credit card and all this stuff to get started for free. It is literally the greatest password manager on the planet, but they have a $10 premium account. That's just $10 per year, not per month, which it's worth it, frankly, because I use it all the time, but it's yes. per year. And you get a gigabyte encrypted file storage, two-step login with YubiKey, Vault Health Reports, Bitwarden Authenticator, Priority Customer Support, and so much more. Bitwarden.com slash T-U-X. Go there right now. Let them know we sent you. Thanks to Bitwarden for sponsoring this episode of Destination Linux. So we mentioned that Linus Torvalds was using Fedora with that testing of the M2. And it just so happens that Fedora 37 beta has been released for testing. So if anybody would like to participate in that testing, you can do that right now. And this release is very exciting. There's a lot of cool updates. I am super excited for the KDE version, obviously, because that's my preference, but it's okay. But we're gonna talk about the first thing, we're gonna talk about Workstation, which is going to have GNOME 43. And there is a lot of cool changes in GNOME 43. And since Ryan is the GNOME fan of this particular podcast. Am I a fan of GNOME? (laughs) I use GNOME, I like GNOME, but I don't know I'd ever call myself a fan because they do things that frustrate me so much. It's like, I don't know, it's like a brother. You know, like you love your brother, (laughs) but you also hate him sometimes. Yeah. And that's what GNOME but is you, to me. Like, so you 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 feel like you have to like it, but yeah. you also have it's problems like, with it. Oh darn, they're related to me. I have to get along with them, kind of thing. Like I don't know. There's something with them. But yes, there's some exciting things coming in GNOME 43. 
they have a new device security panel and settings providing the user information about security of hardware and firmware of the system. Very, very important. I think that's really cool. Could they put that in a taskbar maybe that they could add back? That would be pretty nice. Uh, more core great. GNOME apps have been ported to the latest version of GTK, GTK Toolkit, providing improved performance. And the Raspberry Pi 4 is now officially supported in Fedora Linux, including the accelerated graphics. But more importantly, did you guys notice that when we switched to Fedora and we got a lot of people interested in Fedora from this show, then Linus Torvalds himself switches to Fedora? Coincidence? Yeah. I think not. When we, <laughs> when we tout something and tell everyone this is the distro to go to, that's where everyone goes, including the founder of Linux themselves. I, I'm taking credit for the whole thing. I, I think I 100% agree that it just seems unlikely that that just happens to be his choice. I mean, I'm also aware that he chose it 10 years ago, but that's not important to the reality of what we're trying <laughs> <Yes>. to show. <laughs> so, so the story we're making up, that's not important, Michael. Exactly. What's interesting, though, is this show, like if you watch this show from the very first episodes, we used to always talk about Ubuntu everything like Ubuntu yeah. was it. And it was so great and so grand. And now it's all Fedora. The tides have changed in Linux, I think, so severely towards well, for Fedora. You, it's Fedora and Arch. So Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's Arch and then there's everything else. But Fedora is like that next level, you know, that next level right before you get to the Arch. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it is interesting it. that you pointed out, you know, because the we were talking about more Ubuntu related stuff, and now we're talking about a lot of Fedora stuff. And I think it's really cool that you know this show is an example of you know things evolve in the community and, and evolve in the ecosystem. Like sometimes the best examples to use are at you know different from one year to the next, or even in this case, you know sometimes it's even months difference. You know because Linux moves so quickly that there could be a you know, six month period where one distro is better than the other. And then all of a sudden it flips. And I yeah. think that's, what's awesome about Linux ecosystem. There's so many cool things that happen all the time for every release of pretty much every distro. So, yeah, well, I'm just happy. It's like out of nowhere, Fedora community really just started pushing yeah, and showing up, up and yeah. ramping up their products. Well, it wasn't out of nowhere. As you said, it was because of destination Linux. Oh yeah. 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 We did it. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> so what are some other features in this, Michael? Well, one of the things that I was happy to see was they're going to be having official support for the Raspberry Pi, the Raspberry Pi 4. So I'm really happy to see that because you're going to have a really efficient experience on the Pi with Fedora. So that's awesome. And the web installer for Anaconda is going to be available in a preview mode for mm -hmm. Fedora 37. Now, Michael, uh, I know we just talked about testing your knowledge here. Can you help me out with this? Because when I see a web installer, my brain instantly thinks like uh, I don't need a USB with a full OS anymore on it. I could just put a URL in there and it's going to install my system. So am I wrong here? What's a web installer? <laughs> yeah, I think that's an interesting question because when you asked that, I was thinking, that's a good point. I mean, the web installer doesn't really convey what it is because net installer doesn't convey what it is either. And that sounds like the same thing. So yeah. fair enough. But what the difference is, is that this version of these of Anaconda is using web technology and web uh, programming languages and that sort of stuff to create the UI and the workflow. So in theory, the workflow should be relatively the same with Anaconda with some tweaks here and there. 
but it's going to be using a different technology to create the installer. So this new preview mode is to try out that version of Anaconda. Gotcha. I don't know how web installer then becomes it's because it uses web tools. It's a web installer. It's interesting well, it's, because it's, yeah. it's web technologies, web language. I get I, it, it's not very hmm. clear about what exactly it's called, but that to be fair, if you heard Anaconda from Fedora, that wouldn't really be clear about what that was either. So, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, there are, there are a lot of different projects that have interesting names. Let's just say that. So, you know, I, yeah, I, we'll I give them a pass. little bit of a pass on that one. <laughs> and Evelyn in chat asked, but will it have support for the Raspberry Pi 400? Yes, it will. Because yes. that's based on the Raspberry Pi 4 architecture. And right. I have a Raspberry Pi 400 and I love it. And someone asked, asked in chat, what's my main distro? Well, honestly, I'm mostly on Debian and Ubuntu. Arch. <laughs> but Michael I, have, that in. <laughs> I have every distro installed because I have over 600 computers. Actually, I just counted 650 computers. 650 computers. 650 computers. Yeah. Uh, so Jill, I test all Jill the distros. Sorry, everyone. Jill's not very good with numbers. You mean like 6.5 computers? Jill, <laughs> with the decimal point? Because there's no <laughs> way any human has 650 computers. Yeah. Right? So 6. <laughs> when I started the wow. show, it was around uh, 600. So it's quite a bit more now. <laughs> wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so I guess every distro out there. And Michael, for you to dub over what distro Jill uses the most, Arch! Just put that right <laughs> oh, in that <my>. spot. <laughs> Good. Good. Yeah. Uh, so this is really your chance, honestly, to get involved. If you're one of those individuals, maybe you don't have a lot of coding experience or other things, this is a really good chance for anybody to get involved with the future of Fedora by, on a non-production machine, downloading this beta, because you're going to be using it for yeah. testing and reporting sure issues. You clearly state it is a beta. Yes. <laughs> it is a beta, but this is your chance to contribute, because how do we get all the bugs from happening when other people, you're moving a new, brand new user over to Linux, and the latest Fedora edition, you want to make sure there are no bugs for them. How does that happen? During this beta testing window is how it happens. This is the most important time where they really need people from the community to go out there, download the beta, start testing it. And most importantly, when you come across something, report those bugs. That doesn't mean on Twitter or social media or Facebook or TikTok, but actually reporting the bugs in the proper bug reporting. So make sure you get in there if you love Fedora or even if you're not using Fedora but want to help out another open source project, go out there, download this beta on a non-production mm -hmm. machine and do some testing there. It's a great way to get involved. And this time we have a fun, massively multiplayer online role-playing game that is free and just came out of early access. If you don't care to play a tabletop role-playing game in IRL or wanna, want to partake in a live-action role-playing campaign like Michael does, you, you can just play one virtually. <laughs> Did in the past, yeah. Michael, you LARP every weekend? <laughs> or something? I, I LARP two weekends. <laughs> Like 10 years ago. That that yes. did happen. And I mentioned <laughs> this on the show in a previous episode, and Jill just loves to bring it back up. Yeah. I have nothing against LARPing, but I've only done it twice, so I don't really know exactly what it's about. But uh, What do you, you know, mean? I'm not I'm visualizing it. you as a raptor, or raptor wizard, LARPing true. in the I middle of that. That's true. the crowd. I did that in the in one of the episodes. We could put a clip in here if I could find it, where I did do a, a, a raptor, raptor LARPing. Yes. But, <laughs> I'm yes. not against LARPing. I just I just don't do it that much. So I just wanted to clarify that um, Jill just 
for some reason yeah. likes to bring it back <laughs> up all the time. We make I think, it playing I think, like. I think she just really likes my raptor impression. Really? Yes, like, I it do. Has to be that. I do. I think well, it was Jill, beautiful. we talked about playing a tabletop D and D session with yeah, our community absolutely. a lot, and so I think Michael I has to. to his character has to be a raptor a ra- wizard elf. <laughs> raptor larping elf. I'm good with that. Uh, a, I, I mean, a raptor wizard sounds sounds pretty cool. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like abracadabra. Yeah. It's talent. Yes. It'd be amazing. So tell us more about Mist. Yeah, so the game we're going to be talking about is called Mist Legacy. And it's not to be confused with the first-person puzzler Mist, which is spelled M-Y-S-T. This is Mist, M-I-S-T Legacy. (laughs) Like what I spray Michael with in the face when he's bad. Yes, yes. Like a cat. (laughs) And uh, this game is actually a different approach to your typical MM or PG in that you can craft, level up, and go on adventures on your own and and have fun exploring the universe. However, you still have the option of socializing in chat and grouping up with other adventurers to complete quests. And Miss Legacy is a game that features a, actually a very easy to use uh, top-down world, uh, turn-based combat, and um a very skill-based progression system like like most uh, role-playing games have. And I think in this, Miss Legacy, uh, one of the things that stood out to me was how easy it was to use and how much um, I actually love the graphics. The creatures are just so beautifully created, including the red and green dragons. I love them. So much yeah. detail. Very well done game. And the music is very cinematic and epic as well. Nice. This is awesome for people like myself who loved MMORPGs. Then I had kids and had no time. This allows me to go in, play a short game. But if I have time for the social aspect, I can use it. If not, I could just go on a quest or adventure on my own. I really like this kind of unique mix of an MMORPG and an offline RPG. So check out Miss Legacy out there. It looks pretty awesome. What you said, it was MMORPG, but it's not... MMORPG. It's Mamorpka. Mamorpka. It's massively multiplayer online role playing game, is what it stands for. It's not Mamorpka. Mamorpka. I'm pretty sure sure it's Mamorpka. We'll we'll ask the community in the the chat. You know what? Maybe you can help me with the pronunciation of our software spotlight, which I'm going to say is Rimdport. And Rimdport. Is that right, Michael? Is that pretty close? I think. Yeah. Um, honestly, I'm kind of, I have We're no not idea. Sure. So I'm going to guess multiple Rhyme. things, and hopefully one of these is correct. Rhyme deport, rim deport, r- rhyme de- rhymed deport, port. rhyme deport, rim deport, and also rim deport. Good. <laughs> I, I like the last one, honestly. That fits the most. So on the show, Perfect. we often use wormhole to transfer our files to each other after the show. There is a flat pack application called Rimdport, which lets you do the same thing between clients locally, so you can easily move files between other machines regardless of the platform, uh, as long as you have the other client installed. The app is Rimdport, and it's formerly Wormhole GUI, it was named. It is a cross-platform application that lets you easily and safely share files, folders, and text between devices, which 
I do a lot of in my home. I will move mm-hmm. files I between do. all. I don't have 650 computers like Jill, <laughs> but I've got like six or so, and I have to move files between them constantly. And this is really cool because it sends it within an encryption uh, using the same pro- protocol as Magic Wormhole. And this means that Rinport can talk not only to itself, but other wormhole clients as well. And they're transferred implementing using the Wormhole William, a native Go implementation of Magic Wormhole. So really cool app. It's a mm-hmm. flat pack. You can easily check it out, see if it's something you can use if you need to move files between your different machines uh, on a regular basis like we do. I definitely want to check this out because I I do this quite often. And usually I have to do some kind of upload it to a server or you know sometimes even put it on wormhole.app. And I don't want to clarify that, that this is a different thing. One is called wormhole.app and the other one is called magic wormhole they are separate projects it seems it's hard to tell because it's there's not very clear information about it and also i i applaud you for the pronunciation of room to report it's great so (laughs) wait till the developer writes us and that's probably not it but i think or maybe they're gonna adopt it because it was such a good pronunciation that they're like yeah just clip this and put it on their site like this is how you say our name i would love that yeah that would be amazing so the next thing we're going to talk about is the tip of the week, and that is related to Fedora again, because again, we, we are, we're the people who created the entire trend for Fedora. It makes sense that we Thank t- you. <laughs> so Fedora Rescue is what we're going to be talking about. So you, do, you shouldn't sleep on Fedora Rescue mode because, you know, there are times where you're making changes that, you know, end up making your system unbootable. And I want to point out, that's not a Fedora problem. It's a, just a regular distro usage problem. If you're a tinkerer, if you're not a tinkerer, you don't have to worry about this kind of thing because you're not messing with stuff. But it's if a you problem are, between the keyboard <laughs> and the chair is what you're saying. Pretty yeah. much, yes. I'm saying if you're if you're a tinkerer like us, it might happen to you. So if you like to fiddle with stuff, it it sometimes will break. But that's not a big deal. No worries. Just get that same USB device that you use to install Fedora and boot to it and utilize the rescue mode options built in. It's not something you gotta do extra special, it's already there. The rescue mode lets you access your files, make changes, and rescue your system without having to reinstall the entire OS. You can make fixes and stuff, and it gives you really nice access to do so. And so, like, the next time you're stuck with, you know, anything, I guess, maybe even a sentence, grab that USB (laughs) and make sure you have the Fedora Fedora manual bookmarked and walk through your simple rescue steps to get back to doing what you want to do. And we'll have links to the Fedora rescue mode documentation in the show notes. So in our announcements this week, the ninth year of Hacktoberfest is around. DigitalOcean's month-long celebration of open source is shaping up to be the best one yet. I went and joined this on the Discord channel. This is really well laid out and designed, as DigitalOcean often does with everything. Hacktoberfest is for everyone, whether it's your first time or your ninth. It's almost time to hack. And what happens is you go into this community and a bunch of people are posting their projects that they need help with or that they're on the verge of building, maybe ideas that they're working on. And then others in the community, you can go through and you could say, hey, I want to help out during Hacktoberfest with that project. And then they will get you onboarded and help. You can get in there and start helping build out that project. Really just teaches you how to get involved in open source projects. And the great thing is they're there to train you as well. So if you don't have skill set or you're a master coder, either one, those works perfect. You can go in there and offer your assistance on any of these projects that you find interesting and get involved with them, which that's the open source way. That's the open source community. It's hung out there in Mm -hmm. Discord, which, by the way, you can join our Discord while you're there. 
the Tux Digital Discord and go hang out with some really awesome people that love the same things that you do there. So check out Hacktoberfest. And then we also got an email for a suggestion for an event, and that was, they stayed, I was heartened to hear you talk about a Linux-based dental office system in this week in Linux 2.12. I'd like to bring your attention to GNU HealthCon 2022 in November. So this one's in November, but we'll have a link in the show notes for how you can get more information to mark your calendar, where FOSS is discussed across the field of medicine as applied within both developed and emerging economies. Really important topic, cool. really amazing mm -hmm. stuff there. Awesome. So make sure to go to the GNUHealthCon.org website and sign up for getting involved in that event. So a big thank you to each and every one of you for supporting us by watching or listening to Destination Linux. However you do it, we love your faces. We're here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern live at tuxdigital.com slash live. And the best part, everyone is invited to watch the recording of Destination Linux each and every week. And let me tell you something. If you're not catching that, you're missing all kinds of silly antics, usually created by Jill. <laughs> usually it's usually. really hard to contain Jill and she's saying a bunch of silly things or talking about the world history of cheese. I mean, yes. that actually happened. I'm not making that up. You're missing so much if you're not tuning in live. So we hope that you'll go to tuxdigital.com slash live Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Check us out, tuxdigital.com slash live. And if you don't go to the live stream, you'll never know if that was true or not, where Jill does, is Jill the problem? Is Ryan, the, am I the problem? Who, who knows? <laughs> but if you're, if you're not watching live, there's no way for you to know unless... You become a patron because you can watch the unedited versions as a patron when you go to tuxdigital.com slash contribute and become a patron of this show. Plus, an extra bonus, arguably, maybe the best part. I'm not sure. Ryan said the other thing is the best part. You can decide by becoming a patron and joining us in the patron-only post-show, which happens every week after the show in the 60,000-square-foot virtual stadium. And this is where you can join us in the Skybox of that virtual stadium for the mm -hmm. patron-only post-show. And another thing, which also might still be the... I, I, it's hard to decide what's the best part because we also have the Tux Digital Store where you can get some awesome swag like yeah. T-shirts, hoodies, mugs, stickers, coasters, desk mats, which are like gigantic uh, mouse pads, which are awesome. And of, <laughs> and of course, nothing that Ryan is picking up yeah, because he except, always randomly picks stuff up that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Except Ryan's hat, Linux 91. <laughs> yes. uh, that is true. His hat you can get at the Tux Digital yeah. Store. So tuxdigital.com slash store. <laughs> and make sure to check out all the awesome shows here on Tux Digital. We have the Pseudo Show, This Week in Linux, the DOS Geek Channel, Linux Out Loud, Hardware Addicts, GameSphere, and Linux Saloon. And everyone head to TuxDigital.com and subscribe to all these incredible shows. And don't forget to leave a rating on your favorite app so others can discover the power of open source and keep those penguins marching and the full Monty of Linux and open source awesome sauce. Everybody have a great week and remember that the journey itself is just as important as the destination. Thanks, everyone. Aww. See you next week. Love you. Most of you. <laughs> there we go. They, were, you, were, you, were you trying to do an impression of like making it think it's like Jill saying that? Yes. <laughs> most of There's you. A most of you. <laughs> <laughs>